Welcome to the Thought Leadership Project, a podcast by Jay Harrington and Tom Nixon, exploring how lawyers can turn expertise into thought leadership and thought leadership into new business. Welcome to the Thought Leadership Project podcast. I'm Jay Harrington, and joining me today is a guest, Jamie Sternberg. And Jamie is trademark and copyright counsel at the law firm Saunders and Silverstein LLP. Jamie, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Jay. It's really a pleasure to be here. I'm a weekly listener of your podcast, so um, it really is a pleasure to talk to you. That's good. Well, that'll that'll motivate me to actually put out weekly episodes because I don't always hold to that schedule. But that's, that's true. Okay, <laughs> we're back on track. I'm gonna. That's the objective. That's what we we met for for many weeks. Uh, we had a little bit of a lull, and uh, no, over the last few months, I think we've been pretty consistent. So, um, good to know that listeners are out there looking for new episodes. Um, so today we're going to talk about kind of your business development journey and and dive into some detail on that and. Um, I want to start, though, by just kind of providing some background, maybe laying foundation for the conversation. And I know um, many lawyers, as they, you know, as a practicing lawyer, sometimes, you know, people start building a practice from day one. Other times, it's more of an evolution over time. And in many cases, there's kind of an inflection point involved. I know in my own experience, it was more going off on my own, starting my own firm, which was my inflection point. Um, Mm -hmm. For you, I know you talked about this in a LinkedIn post. Um, it was in 2019, so about four years ago, um, I believe in July, so literally almost four years ago. And you, um, at that point, you know, had a little bit of a practice, but um, you transitioned to your current firm now. And as you put it in your post, you were more or less starting from scratch. Um, so I, I think maybe we could go back to before that point, though, and just talk a little bit about, you know, how you thought about business development and kind of what spurred you to really get serious about it, not to put words in your mouth, but it seems like that was kind of what happened at that point in time. Yeah. So before that, I had, I, you know, I wasn't really responsible for developing business at my previous firms. It was nice to be able to bring clients in, but really more of the focus was billing the work that, you know, partners were giving to me or that other attorneys in the law firm were sending to me um, or just to handle the clients, the like established sort of law firm clients that needed trademark work. Um, We had um, at my previous firm, for example, we had a patent, uh, patent, an IP litigation practice, and I was part of the um, trademark and copyright group. So, you know, there'd be attorneys who were who were offering the patent services to a client, and I'd be responsible, for example, for handling the trademark services. So it was a client that someone else had brought in, maybe like twenty years ago, and I was, you know, responsible for handling that work. So obviously, I was doing a lot of work on on you know client service and making sure that that the clients were happy with the services we're getting. And I was able to develop business in terms of like bringing in more work um, from that client, but I wasn't really out there getting my own business aside from the activities that I was involved with, with the International Trademark Association, which I was heavily involved with. Um, and that is an organization that spans the US and worldwide. So I was very good with like developing relationships there, going to conferences every year, 
having like not only work relationships with those uh, international trademark attorneys that we worked with to help their clients in the U.S. and they helped our clients outside of the U.S., um, but I also had like friendships with them, um, true friendships. So that's where I was focusing my business development activities. I was part of committees there. Um, but I wasn't really focused on, you know, trying to get awards or really getting out into the local community. So I kind of felt like I was in, I practiced in the Hartford community for about 10 years and I felt like I didn't really get out into the community and meet people. I was sort of like in my office, typing on my computer and really just interacting with you know, my clients, you know, the lawyers within my firm. So I, you know, obviously doing marketing within the firm um, and the, you know, foreign associates that we'd work with outside of the U.S. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of people probably who are listening can relate to that and maybe in that position right now where they're playing a little more of that supportive role, you know, helping people, you know, we'll call them the rainmakers in the firm uh, service their clients. I mean, that's, some significant, probably majority of lawyers in, in most law firms these days. So, um, but that being said, many of those people are interested in um, building their own practice and the benefits that flow from that. Um, so let's talk about, you know, how you started going about that um, when you made the transition to your new firm. So we have in the post I mentioned previously, and you, you list a number, I think it was 12 specific actions. And there's probably several things within some of those bullet points that you listed. Um, so you, you you engage in a lot of activity. I, I'm curious, uh, before we start diving into what some of those actions you took were, um, was this... Uh, was this a process where you sat down and like developed a strategic marketing plan for yourself or was it a little more organic where you just start, start sort of started, you know, getting out into the world and, and, you know, adding new things to your um, toolkit as you went along? Like, how did you think about that? That was, that's a great question from the beginning. I mean, so I really had no plan at the beginning. I just really wanted to kind of see what was out there. And fortunately for me, and I understand for other people, this may be um, more challenging, but, you know, I'm, I like networking. I like to be social. Um, I'm an extrovert. So for me to like go out there and start getting into the community was not that difficult for me. Um, so I was really happy to just start going, like the first thing I would do was start going to chamber meetings. So local mm -hmm. chamber meetings in Avon and Hartford, Simsbury, those are the around the towns I live in in Connecticut. So that's what I just started doing. I just kind of wanted to see where it went. And I was like, I, you know, those, I don't know if you've ever been to a chamber meeting, but mm -hmm. when you go and people just like expect to kind of get work from the other people there immediately. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And they don't really understand that it's about building relationships and um, maybe getting referrals from the people who are at the meeting. Um, to other people who may not be at the meeting. So I, I mm -hmm. was sort of like feeling my way in that. And then I was doing, so I'd consistently go to those meetings for maybe like the first few months um, of this whole journey. And I still do go to some meetings now, but that was really my primary thing. Um, and I, uh, yeah, so I would just go to the meetings. I'd have co coffee dates with people, um, which turned into Zoom dates a few months later. 
Um, yeah. So this all started like in August of 2020. And, um, and then obviously things shut down in March. So I actually felt really fortunate to be able to start that journey before everything shut down so that I, I actually did have some like real personal relationships with people before it all became um, virtual. Yeah. Um, and then I was at an event and I saw a business coach speaking at the event. And I was like, huh, I've, I've never had a business coach. I didn't know this type of resource existed. Like I was 14 years out of law school at that point. And I said, this is something that I think would be really helpful to me because I have no idea really what I'm doing. I didn't, I didn't have a plan to answer your question. Um, mm-hmm. And so I talked to my firm about, about helping me, you know, engage this business coach, which they did. And um, she's the one who sort of helped me with the plan. You know, we looked, we talked about my goals. We talked about, and she helped me figure out like where to most efficiently put my time. And she also made connections for me in the community. Um, And then that's when it became more narrow. She, you know, she encouraged me to do webinars once everything sort of became virtual in 2020. She encouraged me to get on LinkedIn, which mm-hmm. I was really like, what? Like, yeah. isn't LinkedIn just, you know, every as everyone says, like the resume, right. like job searching site. And I was really, you know, not into that, which as we'll probably get into later as we talk, like, obviously I'm, you know, a big proponent of LinkedIn now. So. Yeah. Yeah. So that's great. I mean, it, you know, from what it sounds like it, it, to an extent, it's, like anything, right? You business development is so many different things, right? It, everyone has their own unique approaches. It's very contextualized for one's practice, like you know, with the people you're trying to meet, the environments in which you try to be visible. So, to some extent, though, you do just have to get started, even if that action you're taking is imperfect, right? I imagine, you know, I'm not sure. Maybe you, maybe you'll surprise me and tell me that you know you generated a bunch of opportunities from networking within local chambers of commerce. Um, but, you know, it, to some extent, it probably was a really good um, momentum building and confidence building exercise. And and I would say, because I know, you know, of the many things that you have done and, and continue to do, networking, it does sound like is an important component of that. And, and one thing I picked up on that I wholeheartedly agree with is that, you know, it's not necessarily the person you're networking with, but the person you're networking with, um, their network that really matters, right? Because all of a sudden you, they become aware of who you are, what you do, who you serve. And then in their own, you know, sphere of influence, they may speak to someone who needs someone just like you. And I think that's what you're really trying to accomplish with that sort of, especially community-based networking is just getting the word out there. Um, having people who know what you do, that are speaking on your behalf. It's almost like having salespeople out there um, in the marketplace for you. And I know you asked me about my experience networking within chambers of commerce. And um, yeah, I, I had the same kind of mindset. I wasn't going in necessarily to get clients, um, but I ultimately did go in with the intention of saying, if I'm going to you know, join this local chamber of commerce, like I'm going to get actively involved. And so I ended up um, serving on the board of directors. And, and in fact, just sort of in the way that I described it, met someone who was a local estate planning attorney through that process, had a client who 
ended who he referred to me, who ended up being one of our biggest clients um, for our firm. So that's more or less how the process works. And is that is that is that kind of consistent with your experience? Yeah, that's definitely consistent with my experience. It's about building relationships with the pe- the people in the chamber. It's really mm-hmm. and and you can just the chamber is really like equivalent to any sort mm-hmm. of networking group that you could yes. join, like BNI, USA five hundred, Provisors. As long as you're, you know, you're part of a group and you're going to it consistently, you're going to build relationships. So then you're going to be top of mind. And those, you know, the goal is to have those people refer you business. The other thing I found valuable was that the people that I met at the chamber were able to express to me like other ways that they network that I wasn't aware of and things that they thought could be helpful for me. Um, and you know, for example, I get requests to sub in like a BNI group, which and so by doing that, I learned that BNI in particular wasn't what I wanted for my you know business development. It, mm-hmm. it didn't. I didn't believe my ideal clients would. I'd get them from BNI. So that, but it was a good way to like, and I got those connections from Chamber, and it was a good way to explore at least that that networking um route uh because really to me like again like even with a business coach i was still feeling my way out trying to figure out who my ideal client is where they hang out and the most efficient use of my time yeah i think that's insightful it actually brings to mind an important um element i think of developing a strategy and um i i write about this fairly often which is you know, the best strategy comes from experience uh you know it's hard to without experience sit down and develop an effective um marketing or business development strategy for yourself um part cuz part of the process of just getting active and experimenting is eliminating options right i mean mm-hmm. If you were if you were to develop a strategy, maybe BNI would be part of it. But you actually immerse yourself in that environment, and you determine this just didn't feel like the right fit for you. So you can start crossing things off, and through that process of elimination, narrow in on something that is effective for you and your strengths and your aptitude and all of that. And and I think you know to maybe uh, not necessarily close the book on networking, but just just to kind of um, give a, a shorthand principle that I think is important to keep in mind is that it, it is very much about increasing the surface area of opportunity. It kind of relates back to this point where your, your, your contacts networks are you know one degree away from your own. And um, the more people you can meet, even if they don't seem like ideal contacts or prospective clients, like they're, they're increasing the surface area of opportunity for you as a result. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't know if you have anything to add to the network networking piece, but um, I think that's a good summary for people of like, you know, some of the reasons why to do it, even if it doesn't seem ideal. Right. And just two more points to add. Mm -hmm. Um, It also helps you, it helped me grow my network so that when people ask me for referrals, I could easily, Mm -hmm. you know, go to that network and refer people, which is another good way of business, of continuing to develop business and relationships. Um, and then um, the other point was that, you know, I mentioned that, you know, doing these things is, is comfortable for me. And I know that it, that it may not be for other people. And so part of coming up with a business development plan is, is 
doing things that you feel comfortable with. Maybe you feel more comfortable golfing or whatever with mm -hmm. a smaller group of people, or you feel more comfortable posting on social media, um, or you, you know, do doing something in a smaller way to, to network in a way that's comfortable for you and still meets your goals. Yeah, it's a great point. I, I know there's this, there's these little cliches and conventional wisdom out there, like, you know, um, do something uncomfortable, like, you know, get it, the, the growth comes in the zone of discomfort, all of that. And I mean, there's obviously something to that. Um, lawyers are spending much of their time in, in a zone of discomfort, right? In the practice mm -hmm. of law. Um, so I, I do think that to the extent possible, the more you can identify things that are not uncomfortable, but still effective in this realm of marketing and business development, the better. It, you'll just do more of it and you'll be more consistent with it. So, exactly. um, so yeah. that's great. Okay. So I want to turn to uh, another piece of the puzzle here, which is what I'll, what I'll call a, a group into the category of content creation. Because I know that's something, whether that be webinars or creating content on LinkedIn, or, or I'm not sure, Jamie, how much, if if any, like longer form content stuff you've done. I know you, you've been in, you were involved in um, a book writing process, mm -hmm. uh, but it just maybe speak to, you know, how you think about content creation, how that fits into your, um, your business development toolkit. Sure. Um, yeah, I mean, I believe that really is important, uh, because, you know, and you can do it in a way that you feel comfortable with again, like I, I know that you've talked about this before Jay, but I never post videos. Um, mm -hmm. and I know, um, you know, you say you're most comfortable writing, um, mm -hmm. you know, so am I, but if you're, if someone's not comfortable writing, but they're comfortable posting videos, you know, you know, you should be doing that, um, in a way that you're comfortable with. Um, so yeah, content creation became a very important part of my business development practice back in 2020. I started playing with it when I had my first coach and then I hired a second coach in July who was more like sales focused because I felt like I, you know, as lawyers, mm -hmm. we don't get a lot of um, a, a training in sales mm -hmm. and you kind of at least need a little bit of that background. So both of them sort of encouraged me to start that on and that we were in the middle of the pandemic. So both of them sort of started to um, encourage me to get my content creation online so that I, I didn't have to be running around to networking events or hosting webinars, um, which is another way to create content. Um, which is what I st actually started doing before LinkedIn um, mm. because everybody was a captive audience at their computer. So I did a lot of that in 2020 just to sort of start getting my name out there, start sort of creating events and speaking opportunities for myself, um, which was a great way to start getting comfortable getting out there um, when you know, everybody was into Zoom at that point and wanting to go to webinars. And then in November of 2020, I started consistently posting on LinkedIn. Um, I was doing it, you know, probably five days a week at that time. Now it's probably closer to like three days a week. Mm -hmm. um, but having that content creation on the front end really has helped me be able to back off now I don't have to do as much um, to get the same sort of amount of results, but I really like posting on LinkedIn uh, because I am not actually into writing really long form articles. I get a lot of requests to write articles 
And I just, I personally don't have an interest in it. And I know that I'm going to procrastinate it. Mm-hmm. So I know that's not my preferred method of creating content and business development. So I'm going to go with what I'm enthusiastic about. And that's um, creating content, like shorter form content on LinkedIn. Yeah, right. And another example of talk about content creation as a broad generic term, many ways to do it. Uh, there's no there's no hard and fast rules. And, and certainly you're, if what you're looking for is distribution, you know, creating that short form content on social media is probably the number one distribution fire hose that you can have, right? To get get yourself and your ideas out there. Um, that's certainly been been my approach as well. Uh, and and I also um, just wanted to note, you know, you said at the beginning uh, that um, you know you you are most comfortable like writing, uh, and and you mentioned I am as well, which is which is absolutely true. I know I've talked a lot about that before, and I think it's important for people to remember. You know, again, this is another thing where there's no one right way. You know, the, the danger is sometimes people latch on to oh, you know, look at that person, they've got you know X number of followers, and they seem to get lots of engagement. I better model my approach after them or, oh, everyone all of a sudden started posting, you know, selfies with their posts or they're doing these carousel images. And, and so you, you run into this um, process of just shifting your approach um, over and over, and you never really can nail down a style and voice that's unique and authentic to you. Um, And I think that's probably, you know, what, because, you know, you could you could look at me and think, okay, text only posts is the way to go because that's what I that's ninety nine percent of what I do. You could look at someone else who's always doing videos and they seem to be having success. And uh, anyway, you got to have a kind of a broad cross section of people, and and it, most importantly, figure out what you what is sustainable and effective for you. Um, yeah. And authentic. Yeah, authentic is the key thing, right? If if like if you're totally awkward and uncomfortable on video, it's going to come through. Um, and, 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 you know, probably just, it's going to affect the content as well as just, yeah, people resonating with your, your message. So um, yeah, definitely authenticity is, is critical when it comes to creating content. And if you're not comfortable doing it, you're not going to do it consistently, which is mm-hmm. what you should be doing, whatever that, mm-hmm. whatever consistency means to you is what I always say. You know, if, it, yep. if that means five days a week, if that means three days a week, you know, five days a month, as long as you know, you're consistent, mm-hmm. comfortable doing something, you're not going to do it. You're just not. So the whole, I think, key to this process is being authentic and finding whatever method you're going to, you know, be consistent with and be passionate about. Yeah. And the other uh, point that I wanted to raise, and this actually came up in a in the comments to a, a post on LinkedIn this morning um, that that you raised was that there's a, a symbiotic relationship between content creation and networking, right? It's and I found this as well. I thought that was a, a good insight um, that you raised uh, on LinkedIn, which is that oftentimes the the precursor to networking, especially online, uh, can be content creation, whether that be commenting on someone else's posts or being visible in someone else's feed through your content, um, you know, the the alternative to that is, you know, you connect with someone on LinkedIn and you immediately send them a, um, a direct message suggesting a call or trying to sell some product or service. And that, of course, never, never works, at least for most people. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I think it sounded 
and, and it sounds like that that's been an important um, component of your efforts to network online, which is being visible through your content as a as a first step. Yes, for sure. And yeah. but again, if you're not, you know, you're just starting out and you're mm-hmm. not comfortable, you're not fully comfortable, you're trying to get uh, used to a new plat- a social media platform or whatever. The first step really is to just observe, mm-hmm. see what people are doing, then start engaging with their posts, mm-hmm. then maybe start creating your own content, you know, sort of doing a step-by-step process to see, you know, how you feel about it, what you want to write about, what you feel mm-hmm. comfortable writing about, you know, and and realize, for example, on LinkedIn that you can write about your hobbies and your passions as, as long as you're, you know, keeping it professional and, and ideally relating it to what you do for your day job. Yeah, exactly. Agreed. That's, uh, that's, that's a great point. And, and yeah, there's, you know, again, it gets back to what's, you know, what feels good to you and, and what is uh, relevant to your audience that you're trying to cultivate. Um, If you can kind of find the center of that Venn diagram, you're going to have success. Um, Yeah. Okay, I, I'd like to uh, just pivot now to um, I don't know. It's not the only additional leg of of your. I was going to say the 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 last leg of your three legged stool of business development, but I know that an important pillar or component of it, as you mentioned, is um, coaching, accountability. Um, I know you've mentioned you had a couple of um, business coaches. Uh, maybe if you want to add a little more about what you got out of that process, I know accountability probably was an important component of that. I, it should be an important component of coaching. And then I know um, you were also a member of uh, Deb Fetter's uh, Focus 30 group, which mm-hmm. um, was during this time period. Uh, so mm-hmm. I guess, and then, and, and before we started recording, you talked about your um, consistent reading habits. So what, what is like sort of lifelong learning, career-long learning, um, putting in place accountability measures for yourself. Like, how does that play into this as you see it? Yeah, I mean, coaching was crucial, I think, to Mm -hmm. my success in all of this. Um, The coaches helped me. I mean, if you're going to do business development coaching, you know, one component is always trying to figure out who your ideal client is. Mm -hmm. And what, what you're comfortable doing in terms of networking and, and, um, you know, where, and like where to find those people. Right. Um, so coaching was really helpful in terms of coming up with that plan, um, finding my, my voice and like how I wanted to project myself to the world. Right. Um, and just being able even to talk about things that were going on internally at my law firm, having someone to talk to about that. So that could be less of a distraction in terms of me producing, you know, good work for the clients that I did have and um, getting out there and developing business and content. So um, that was a crucial part. And I believe that every attorney who is you know, even a few years out of law school to like gonna, you know, gonna be a partner as a new partner, even, you know, experienced partners, I think coaching is a extremely valuable resource that should be used more. Um, and in terms of reading, uh, 
I have a very, I actually have very strong interest in marketing and business development. My dad was in advertising. I thought about going into that after law school and I went and I went, decided I wanted to go to law school, but you know, as a trademark and copyright attorney, I still have that I can bring that interest into like marketing, branding and advertising into my practice every day. Mm -hmm. Um, So I started reading self-improvement, business development, marketing books. And to me, those were, that wasn't boring that I loved that. And I started listening to podcasts about business development, LinkedIn avidly, and wasn't just doing that because I had to develop a practice. I was doing it because I was passionate about it, but that's again, like a way that people can sort of dip their feed into like pick, find a book that a lot of people are reading mm-hmm. um, that might be helpful to your prep, to your business development, maybe pick at least one book, right? You don't have to read one mm-hmm. book a month as I was doing mm-hmm. or find a, you know, a popular podcast that people listen to or a, a top, a specific topic like LinkedIn um, and just add that to your podcast listening routine. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's critical. And I'm with you on that. I mean, I, uh, I, I, I also read those types of books. Um, I also try to read uh, a, a kind of a, an eclectic collection of other types of books too, whether they be biographies. I love reading biographies, history, um, other other types of books, and and I get a lot of, out of those. I find there are just a lot of helpful analogies and examples and stories that you can you can relate to, you know, your underlying area of expertise, and um, and that that I always find interesting. I'm always looking for little nuggets, for example, that I can use in my content creation. So right. reading, I'm with you on that. Reading is just um, crucial, in in my opinion, uh, to to creating content, learning, um, sort of leveling up in many different ways. Uh, and I, and I would add this is uh, kind of something you mentioned in your own journey. I think is important for people. And I'm not, you know, as a business coach, I'm not uh, trying to advertise in this process. But I do think everyone, to the extent that they are interested in coaching, um, and and it's not cheap, right? Uh, good coaches are not cheap, uh, but oftentimes they're attorneys are unaware that their firms will oftentimes, um, you know, fund that effort. And I think, you know, people should explore that if they are interested in going down the coaching rabbit hole. Um, sometimes there are resources available that you're not even aware of and aren't necessarily advertised. So um, have those conversations for sure. And, you know, like Deb's program, I started doing maybe a couple of years ago, the Focus 30 program. And that also is like, um, for example, one type of coaching that may be easy to dip your feet into because it's just a monthly fee. You can cancel at any time. It's two or three sessions a week where like for 30 minutes where she just mm-hmm. helps you like organize your inbox and your to-do list so that you have more time to spend mm-hmm. on business development. She coaches on LinkedIn. She, you know, one session's about sort of organizing your to-do list for the week and another session's about um, following up with your, the contacts in your network mm-hmm. in various different ways. Um, so that's just sort of helpful to kind of like stay on top of your game. And she motivates you to maybe do the stuff that you would procrastinate doing. 
Yeah, right. It's just a, it's a means of keeping this work top of mind in a way that sometimes can be difficult for us to do if relying upon our our own discipline and willpower to do it. Um, it's easy to default back to billable hours and jump right in your inbox. So, um, so that's great. Well, Jamie, uh, this is really helpful. Any any final thoughts you want to add? A certain or and or um, please mention where people can connect with you online and learn more about what you do. Sure. And I, yeah, I just wanted to add that this, this whole process really is a working process for me and mm-hmm. it changes based on, you know, my ideal client changes like probably every six months. Right. So you kind of have to work on your business development plan as that happens and figure out the resources that you need to sort of get to the place that you want to get to. So thinking about your goals is really important. Um, on a a consistent basis. Um, In terms of reaching out to me, um, I'm on LinkedIn under Jamie Sternberg, Saunders and Silverstein, if you do a search for that. Um, I'm not sure if there's any other Jamie Sternbergs out there. I haven't searched. And then our website is, uh, it's sansip.com. It's S-N-S-I-P.com. So that you can find me there as well. Fantastic. Uh, Well, thanks so much, Jamie. Um, I got a lot out of this conversation. I'm sure our listeners did as well. So thanks so much for joining us. Thanks so much for having me, Jen. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Thought Leadership Project. For show notes, additional resources, and links to the tools discussed on today's episode, visit thethoughtleadershipproject.com.